greening cyberspace and welcome to episode 132 of the double density podcast with your host brian and angelo double density your home to tech tales and paranormal primers now first things first angelo how are things generally for you right now not bad second week in a row we're recording on a saturday although it's saturday afternoon which feels really weird there's light out and i'm recording a podcast I'm i kind of really like recording it recording in the dark i get tired as the day progresses so i kind of like middle of the day like you've got spunky brian here you may hear background noise because there are uh, children afoot, um, but uh, hopefully there's, it's supposed to be quiet time. Right. So hopefully that continues. Right. Daddy talking into a microphone time. Yeah, exactly. Daddy has his important hobby time. So Angela, as you know, we can't congregate in uh, small or large numbers, right? It's, it's very much like a bad idea right now, globally, pretty much. Pretty much. So we found alternatives in order to communicate in different ways. I don't know about you, but I've been on FaceTime, Zoom, Hangouts, Skype, video calls for days now. It's kind of tiring, actually. Yeah, we had uh, had a couple of meetings over Zoom. Uh, it's not bad once people realize they can uh, mute their microphones. Uh, uh, yes. to hear some uh, random coughing and things like that, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, everybody uh, seemed to understand the uh, concept of muting. Uh, as I was preparing for the podcast, my mom tried to FaceTime me because I explained to them what to do for FaceTime because I'm so used to seeing my parents in person. We go like once a week and say hi and stuff, but they feel like they haven't seen the kids in, in weeks, which is true. They have not seen the kids in weeks and they miss their grandchildren. So um, we're trying to uh, FaceTime. They have an iPad an iPhone, which for some reason the front, front camera seems a bit blurry. Um, you were mentioning to me maybe it just needs to be cleaned. So, oh, oh. somebody rang the doorbell. It's the government here to get me. Hold on. Finally, finally. All right, All right. let's 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 hold on. All right, that was an Amazon package. I have since scrubbed my hands clean, and then it's been left in the entrance for containment. I'm going to use some Lysol wipes on it later. What did you order? It is something that was ordered for my daughter. I'm going to whisper now because she might be able to hear us, but her birthday is coming up, and uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law ordered her uh, Animal Crossing for the Switch. Oh, good choice. So um, her birthday's on April 1st, but might as well play while in quarantine. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to wipe it down later, and uh, then we'll open it. Give me Although, kisses. I, am I being... So this is a good topic. Uh, people are ordering packages and stuff. Am I being paranoid by wiping it down? No, I've I've left boxes outside and cut them with gloves on. I mean, I think, from what I understand, you ha- the transmission that way is extraordinarily Let's, let's, let's not low. be scientists here. Like, I, We don't have all the information. I don't feel comfortable talking about this. Okay, well, I was actually reading an article about it by a scientist, and he was saying that the transmission is more likely person-to-person, or... If you get it from a package, the person literally had to cough on the package. Sure. Let's go with that. I'd rather not go that route, though. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to get some. I'll I'll open the package outside, uh, leave the box uh, directly outside, and then um, wash my hands after I'm done and wipe down the Nintendo uh, game plastic. So something that we've discovered is the uh, Chrome Netflix party uh, plugin that a lot of people have been using. It's it's a lot of fun. So basically what happens is that it syncs up everyone who's in the chat room uh, together. And then like uh, everyone's allowed to toggle uh, the video so they can all pause it, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we did it on four devices last night and it worked quite well. Uh, the only bummer, of course, is that you have to be you know tied to a computer in order to watch it. Well, that's going to be the, the fact f- of life for the next, what would you say? Um, a while. Let's just say a while. I think. Let's, let's I think just say I'm at least most of the spring, and um, yeah, we're gonna get used to sitting on our computers. We have to make sure we get up and walk around and do some push-ups or yoga or something because or else we're all gonna turn into those people from Wally, as uh, the internet meme says. Oh, the, has has the internet memed that already? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's been about uh, you know five days of memeing that. Okay. Perfect. Brian. New oh, Apple stuff. Yes, I know, Angelo. I Are know. you excited? You got all excited. I saw the all caps hangouts message the other day. So um, uh, uh, let's talk about this because it actually may have included a computer I might be interested in for once. Yeah. So so like the, 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 the less exciting thing, although I guess people are excited about it, is the new iPads Pro. Um, basically a bit of a speed bump and a better camera that does like LiDAR scanning for better AR. Uh, because Apple really seems intent on getting this AR thing out there. Which is uh, still not going to be a thing. No, but the cool thing with the new iPad is the uh, almost $400 Magic Keyboard. 
Uh, mind you, it's very cool. The iPad floats, sort of reminds everybody of the G4 iMac, uh, but $400 for a keyboard. And it has a trackpad now. Uh, so guess what else has a keyboard and a trackpad, Brian? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Is it their uh, main tablet competitor? Well, yes, that's something else somebody was talking about. Yeah, the Microsoft Surface kind of had this a few years ago. Uh, an article by Tom Warren uh, of The Verge talks about how basically the iPad is becoming the Surface. But uh, for cheaper, Brian, you can also get uh, an Apple device with a keyboard and a screen. Just the screen isn't touchscreen, but it's the new MacBook Air that we can finally wholeheartedly recommend. Absolutely. This is the mid-range key uh, 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 laptop that we've been talking about since we basically started this podcast. Angela. Remember, we, we agonized. I was trying to figure out what my next move would be, whether it be it going back to Windows or like picking an Apple device. And I think, I think Apple's won me over with this. It's, it's actually a decent price in the U.S. They've managed to get it to $1,000. So it is actually their entry-level device now. Yes. Um, it took over the uh, MacBook uh, non-denominational book. <laughs> I guess no extra <laughs> title there, just the MacBook. Um, but this one seems like it's really easy to recommend. And the main reason is because there's a much better keyboard. Yes, exactly. I wanted to talk about the Magic Keyboard. So go ahead, talk about the Magic Keyboard. Nothing, it's not a butterfly keyboard, so I'm, I'm completely fine with all of this. Yeah, it's scissor switches. Um, basically, it's what's in the uh, MacBook 16-inch, the MacBook Pro, or also very comparable to the keyboard I use with my iMac. That uh, it is, It's called the Magic Keyboard 2. And the uh, Magic Keyboard for the iPad is basically the same thing as well. Uh, there's like one millimeter of travel, which is pretty good if you're typing. Uh, yeah. That's another complaint, right? Apart from those old keyboards, well, old slash new butterfly switch keyboards breaking, they also had a really weird feel. Had you ever tried typing on one? No. It sort of feels like you're smushing on plastic that's hardly moving, uh, which okay. is basically what you're doing. Right. The only downside to all of this, though, is I guess I have to buy a Thunderbolt adapter. Yeah, there's more and more things for Thunderbolt. Like the two external drives I have actually came with both a Thunderbolt. Uh, well, Thunderbolt. You're saying Thunderbolt, but it's the USB-C yes. uh, standard, right? But it's yeah, on an yeah. Apple on Apple devices. It's also Thunderbolt. Um, the external hard drives I got recently come with it. So that that's my plan actually is to go if I end up getting this, which I probably will, is buying the um, the smaller hard drive, but also getting like a new external like three or four terabyte for you know like a hundred bucks or whatever. Well, yeah, so you would get, uh, those are spinning hard drives. If you want, you can actually get a decent uh, terabyte SSD, which would be really great if you're doing any audio editing, uh, for example. I don't know if you have a podcast maybe that you might edit from time to time. Uh, those are great for that. Uh, but yeah, um, you can also get, like you said, a, uh, a regular old-fashioned spinning hard drive um, for about, yeah, 100 bucks. he'll get you yeah. for sure four terabytes yeah like I, I bought one in 2012 that was three for 129 right so so yeah the things have gone down in price but yeah. ssds are dramatically reduced in price a lot of stuff is going down in price for obvious reasons the economy's tanking so uh, <laughs> things are going to go down in price thanks uh, i have i have not seen gas at under a dollar in years that's what i keep hearing uh, not since the the fuel wars of the 90s do i remember them being so this being so cheap well, here in Quebec, the fuel wars of the 90s, you could get a liter of gasoline for 47 cents. Yeah. It actually that. went down to 36 at one point. I remember that very specifically. Insane. But all that wow. being said, like this is uh, this is the, the MacBook that I've been waiting for because I don't do uh, much heavy-duty lifting in terms of like uh, graphical output or things like that, right? So for me, like a laptop like this would make a lot of sense. Would you get the base model or the one model up? I would probably get the base model. Once again, like I don't really need much more than that right now. I think you'd be fine because there's an SSD in there, the processor stuff, like even your podcast editing isn't that processor. No, intensive? I mean, the thing is that like, what am I, what am I going to do? I'm not editing 4k video, right? I'm, you know, there's not a lot of that going on. So for me, basically it would be editing podcasts and other like menial tasks, including so, like, uh, you know, like running Plex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Plex from a laptop is a bit annoying because you have to leave it open, but that's fine but i just I, I shut the screen off right so yeah so you're fine so there we go i think you're set if and and same on my end my wife's 2011 macbook air was on its is is, is on its last legs it's, it's being used it's working okay but at least now i feel comfortable in the fact yeah. that if it does just break we can get a decent laptop also don't it. forget angela you and i are both entitled me by proxy you by purpose to an educational discount right so yeah, well, in my whole family, everybody is because all four of us go to an educational institution of one way or another, there either staff, teacher, or student. I was going to say, or other in your case. No, well, there's two students. Um, right? I'm not, no, I meant you. I don't know what you do with your days. I'm so. staff. Right. Okay. Not In name only. Oh. 
I educate people. I, I give them access to uh, access. I give them access to education. Right, right. Of course, of course. Uh, I don't know. This this looks good though. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about maybe how uh, you know, Tom Warner of The Verge has compared this to Microsoft Surface, as you were mentioning before. I thought that was kind of an interesting comparison because for years and years now, Apple has sort of said, yeah, we're not doing the stylus, we're not doing the actual keyboard and the trackpad, and then suddenly to do like a 180 is kind of surprising. Though I guess they probably uh, finally listened to their customers. What like uh, ten years down the line. Tim Cook at one point said, anything can be forced to converge, but the problem is that products are about trade-offs and you begin to make trade-offs to the point where you, what you have left doesn't please anyone. But uh, that was kind of what was happening with the iPad at a certain point. And they slowly, what, added a stylus, yeah. added a keyboard, and now added a keyboard with the trackpad. I'm, I'm still at the point, if you need a keyboard with a trackpad, would you get a laptop instead? But I see the appeal of the iPad because it is way more flexible than a laptop. But if you get that configuration of an iPad Pro, you're looking at close to $2,000. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah. But with that, with that said, the iPad processors are faster than anything Intel's pulling out. Right, but what are you really doing with your iPad that needs that much processing power? Myself, nothing. But there are people that really use it to its full potential. Would you give me an example? Like, I the thing is, like, I only know like low end users. Like, I'm picturing my like in laws, right, who love to watch yeah, YouTube. No, on an they iPad. don't even need an iPad Pro. Uh, but I'm talking about certain podcasters I listen to. They edit their entire podcast on the iPad. They shoot 4K videos on the iPad. It's it's pretty amazing what people can do. Right. Fair enough. I, but that, that's just in terms of media production, though. Yes. Um, look, the reality is most people that do high end media production don't use an iPad for it. But it's nice to know the options there. Personally, I'm like one of the olds at this point, so I like old-fashioned desktop computers. I'm not even a laptop person. Uh, which is funny to me, I guess, but you like that big screen, though, I guess. Hey, let me just tell you, work from home with a 27-inch iMac has been spectacularly good. I'm actually more at ease on this thing than I'm at the office now that I was able to download a few pieces of software that I needed. See, I don't even call them apps, Brian. I call them software. I said apps um, recently about a computer thing, and everyone got really confused, so you're yeah. not alone. Um, yeah, so I have Skype for Business now, I have Outlook, and everything is basically the same as it was at work, um, but better, because I like yeah, Mac more. And everyone leaves you alone. Well, I, I do hear from my colleagues, and I have shared my um, iMessage uh, coordinates with them so that they can actually get in touch with me more quickly, because a lot of people I'm working with are using OWA, which is Outlook web app, uh, and... Uh, yeah, it's not the best, especially when it comes to Skype for Business, because your instant messages kind of get separated. It's very bizarre. But, hey, it, it's working, and um, we're getting our stuff done, apparently, in terms of how we're being productive. It's all pretty much the same. Everybody, the first day was kind of weird for everyone, but we're all kind of on par with what we normally do at the office. So this is kind of proving people that, uh, yeah, we don't always have to be at the office. I played uh, troubleshooter with my wife for a lot of her colleagues because I, last weekend, um, helped her set up her VPN and as well as her, you know, remote desktop to go in and get her files and things like that. So I wanted to do that on the Sunday so that way ahead of the Monday rush, we'd be okay. And then, yeah, for most of the morning, sorry, for most of the morning, I ended up, you know, helping her with her colleagues' issues. Yeah, I am happy that I don't need remote desktop for what I do. I used to use it for uh, something else that I used to do at the office, but now I don't need it at all, which is nice to not be tethered to a desktop. Like you mentioned to me, I don't remember if it was on the show or not, but what happens if there's a power outage? Well, at least I can still work, no problem. Right. And I'm using macOS, which I much prefer to Windows. Yeah, I also agree with that. Uh, similarly, all about macOS, Apple, things like that. Uh, unfortunately, if you are an Apple user who sent in an Apple device to an Apple store, it is now stuck in the store for the foreseeable future. Yeah, all the Apple stores are now closed in everywhere but China, which is the reversal that happened um, basically just a few weeks ago where China, everything was closed. There, um, They've been able to kind of control the spread of the coronavirus, so it's great for them. They're able to actually go out to the stores here in North America, and actually everywhere else, North America, Europe, everywhere, right? Except China is what I understood. Apple stores have had to close because um, they're being smart about it, right? Uh, luckily, Apple is a company that can afford to do this. Uh, a lot of places can't do that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, But unfortunately, the byproduct of that is, of course, the fact that uh, all these users who were hoping to get their phones their, or their, their laptops or their desktop computers back uh, won't be happening for a little while. 
Did you hear about how GameStop is trying to stay open, saying they're an essential service? Yes, and then I saw those lineups for people buying Animal Crossing the other day. Yeah, not good. Um, not not good at all. I mean, uh, Reggie Fila may join the their uh, what is it like he joined management there? No, like he's on the like the board of directors now. Yeah, and he's like he's like one of the nicest people in the world. Why is he letting these people work? It's very, very strange. I don't know if he has any say if it's more of a ceremonial kind of thing, but uh, the, I mean, like GameStop and EB Games in general are a sinking ship, right? In terms of like uh, uh, profit uh, projections, things like that for the next like year, I think we're seeing maybe another year, year and a half of GameStop being the way it is now. Well, look, the reason we go to EB Games is hardly ever to buy video games and more to buy their little fun things that they have. My wife loves those things. <laughs> that is a she, very vague statement. Well, so, you know, like there's uh, toys, there's Disney, uh, like we've bought... For example, fun Disney mugs over there that you can't really find anywhere else. So that's the kind of business they want to bring in, right? Because the, the core video game audience is uh, dying out as you can get uh, digital copies of things uh, more easily. Well, it's very rare that I buy physical copies of games anymore when I do buy games. It's just so much simpler to put them. Uh, and uh, and the Switch games usually are not very big. So I have, I think, uh, I think I have like a 100 gigabyte or more uh SD card in there and it's not it's not huge but I think it's 128 or something anyway okay. it doesn't really matter but it's it's there's more than enough space on my switch at this point by the way did I tell you my uh, switch screen was cracked the other day no what happened well I, I took it out of its uh, I took it out of the dock uh, to remove the controllers to charge them um, because my kids play with it and uh, they don't change the controllers to charge and uh, I noticed the screen was all cracked uh, luckily um, I had put a screen protector on it, so it was just that that was cracked. And oh, uh, so I I had an extra one because those things come with two, I guess. And I put the second one on, and now it's uh, right as rain, as they say. Great. One last item, Angelo, for the tech section. Uh, I know how much you are a fan of surprises, right? Always, I love surprises, Brian. So I got an email directly to me all about you. <laughs> what? Yes. So I'm gonna read this to you, okay? Great. Dear Angelo, listening to you, I have a feeling you would share certain affinities with my Italian-Canadian father. To test my hypothesis, I've prepared a questionnaire. Please answer as truthfully as possible. I say this all with love, and I love the show, Rebecca. Okay, so is there a questionnaire? There's absolutely a questionnaire. So what she has done, too, is in the brackets at the end of each question, she has put her prediction. So I'm going to go ahead and, and validate that when you answer a question, okay? Oh, like, this is a fun game. I like yes. this type of surprise. Great. Uh, the first question is, is Costco one of your ride-or-die stores? You know what? This isn't even a question. Next, Angelo, you arrive at the Costco cafeteria. What do you order for lunch? I have never ordered from the Costco cafeteria. If you have to, though. Um, probably a poutine. Okay, because she wrote prediction, pizza. No. And and Costco is not a ride or die store for me. Okay, well, I mean, like it's a pretty regular store for you. We go about, I'd say, like eight to ten times a year. That's still enough. I've gone zero times last year. Oh, okay, maybe not. Then maybe, I don't know. We don't go that often, but anyway, we spend enough money there because every time we go, it's like three or four hundred dollars. Well, there you go. Let's say your wife takes the cart to get essentials, and you're left to casually browse on your own. What section of Costco do you hit up first? Uh, the um, the the like TV tech uh, section. Perfect. Her prediction was: look at the TVs or outdoor goods. Yeah, duh. no, definitely not the outdoor goods, but TV. Yes. What is your policy on food samples at Costco? Take everyone or be picky? Uh, I don't take any. Her prediction was: inspects person giving samples first for hygiene and general appearance. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Angela, have you ever bought jeans at Costco? I have not bought jeans at Costco, but I am wearing currently a top that I bought at Costco. Okay. Her prediction was yes and uh, bonus points of stonewash. Angela, have you ever bought undies at Costco? Yes. Okay. Her prediction was yes. Angela, what is your favorite favorite ready-made meal from Costco from the salads, roasted meat, pre- uh, prepped meal section? We actually don't buy anything from that section. Wow. Okay. Because her prediction, and I agree with this one, was probably the roasted chicken. So our roasted chicken we usually get from Metro. But okay. yes, if I had to choose one, I would say the roasted chicken. Okay. okay. Good what, good call. What has been your best big ticket, big price Costco buy? Oh, wow. Hmm. We have not, we don't really buy anything huge at Costco. I will probably buy a TV from there. Uh, but like the best deal uh, for me, I was very happy, is that I bought uh, three boxes of uh, bicycle decks of cards. With nine nine decks each, that's not for $10. really a big price. Big no, it's not, item. but it's like a really good deal. Uh, her nine decks was for ten bucks. TV that's amazing. Or a patio set. 
no, our patio set we bought from somewhere else, and our TV is the same one we got when we were married, and we have not changed. Uh, I'm very uh, old-fashioned with the TV. I want to keep it until it basically dies. Angela, what is the best deal at Costco? Um, I would say uh, the aforementioned bicycle decks for uh, $10 when they're on sale. Even at 15 bucks, which is the regular price for nine decks, is way cheaper than you would get I think your brain store. is warped. What? I think your brain is warped. No, well, I'm just saying, for me personally, because I like decks of cards, it's great. But the best deal food-wise, I would say, are uh, tortillas. Like the, the the soft tortillas. Right. That's like, I think, $4 for 15 where at the regular store you get like 6 bucks for 8 right. Peanut butter is a really good deal, too. Her prediction was gas or vitamins. Don't buy gas, don't buy vitamins there. <laughs> that, that almost sounded like apocalyptic. Like you're, no. like, you know. No. Uh, bonus question, Angela. Are you picky about food textures? And if so, what are your most hated ones? Uh, Rebecca says, mine are anything flubby and or chunky like ricotta. I know I have no uh, aversion to any sort of food textures. And I'll pretty much try anything once, but there are things I don't like. For example, I don't like the taste of beets. Really? You just don't enjoy that too tart? I will say uh, I was nervous when I saw there was a beet salad on the menu at your wedding. Uh, it was the best beet salad I ever had, and I, I actually it, enjoyed it, it. Exactly, yes. I was about to say, because that beet salad was actually quite good. And, yeah. uh, almost it didn't anomalous. taste like beets. No, that's the whole thing. So, yeah, it was quite good. It's all about pairing it with items that uh, lessen the tartness of it. Yeah, no, it was, it was that was quite good. Um, food talk with Brian and Angelo. Hey, we got to do something around here, right? Yeah, so how did she do with my her predictions? I, I, you got She got like three, which I'm kind of sad about. Yeah, uh, I... I don't know. I, I'm I'm not really comparable to like uh, an older Italian man. So, does, do your parents shop at Costco? Yes, they do. Okay, uh, not not right now because my mom's eighty and my dad's eighty five, so they're right. staying home. Right. They're Just being really good about it too, by the way. Yes, I hope that everyone's parents are. Yeah, really important. Yes. Uh, and uh, as always, if you'd like to send Angela or I questions, uh, you can go ahead and email us at doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on, uh, on Twitter at uh, Brian Hasty if you have any questions you'd like me to ask Angela to shield him, uh, you know, to keep the, the element of surprise going. I've been actually on Twitter a little bit more lately. You have. I've, I've been trying to follow the news of very the disaster of that is the world. Also, you brought up the good point that uh, we should be using way more copper in this world right now. Yeah, I didn't know about that. That's pretty interesting. Um, well, let's just hope uh, things get better, uh, but likely going to get a little worse before they get better. At least here in Quebec, we're, um, I, I'm pretty, we've said it before, but I'm pretty happy with the way our province is dealing with this. Yes, is it perfect? Absolutely. Far from no. it. But uh, no one can be perfect. Uh, I think they're saying the country that handled this the best so far has been South Korea. I would agree with that. The roadside testing and all that, yes. But yeah. also people listen to their government when they say things, right? Yeah. Here, uh, people in my neighborhood seem to be pretty good. Although we, every time we see like an extra car parked somewhere, like who has guests over? Yeah, you texted me saying that you saw a van the other day. Yeah. It's crazy. You didn't want to go confront them though. No, I didn't. I'm, and I'm, we actually, uh, I guess this is tech related. We use the uh, local grocery store chain app to order groceries. They're arriving Monday night. I don't want to leave the house. Perfect. I'm glad that you're putting someone else at risk. Well, look, no, uh, I'm not putting anybody. Who am I putting at risk? The, the, the employee has to go pick. The employee has to go pick all those things. Well, yes, but I mean, they're there for that. They're working on that, and they'd rather have me at home than in the store. Is what I'm understanding. Sure. And my wife is kind of sick. She's had a bad cold for like a week and a half. So I'm just shaming uh, you, Angelo. Yeah, we don't want to get anybody else sick, even though it likely isn't anything serious. We prefer not to get sick. I told you when I was waiting in line at the grocery store last week, I uh, <laughs> I had to cough and I had to hold it in. Yeah, you did that silent kind of hiccup yeah, motion. I, yeah, I really didn't want to cough. Like, I'm not sick, but I didn't want to cough, no matter what kind of cough it was. <laughs> and with uh, that thrilling conclusion to the tech section of 132, let us move on to the paranormal side of things. Sounds great. When I befriended a group of aliens just three years ago, I was lost. Do you believe in a cool group of down-to-earth aliens who love to hang out, have fun, and have great ideas about what kind of food you can eat? No, that's crazy. Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, Angelo, we are going in deep on a very intriguing topic. It's funny that you use the words in deep. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Was so that Angela, uh, by, by, uh, by, what was the word, Emily? Was that by, by design? design or no, it like was not by design. By accident. See? It was by Good accident. accidental pun. Yeah. So for the last few decades, as we've entered the modern era of ufology, there have been scant physical proof 
uh, when it comes to those cases where there's an abduction component to them. In some instances, we can find altered ground and soil near an abduction site, for example, right? That's been the extent of most um, actual physical evidence. Right. So in other cases, however, abductees report physical changes after the encounter. This can include the presence of a foreign object inside of their own bodies, uh, which leads me to mention today's topic, which is alien implants, Angelo. Yeah, down deep, as you said, Brian. In this week's paranormal segment, we're going in on the phenomenon of alien implants and the work of Dr. Roger Lear. Are you going to bring up the movie that he was in? Yes, actually. Uh, I watched yeah, and and it's by our favorite, uh, very oh, uh, artistic, me, uh, paranormal producer. There's, of there's some notes there. So to begin okay. with, Angelo, who was Dr. Roger Lear? He was a podiatrist, Correct. from what I understand. So let us begin uh, by jumping to the end. And by that, I mean uh, uh, Lear's 2014 obituary in the Telegraph newspaper in the UK. So Roger Lear was born in the San Francisco Bay Area in 1935. He moved to Southern California at age 13. He attended the University of Southern California and graduated with a bachelor's degree of science in 1961. In 1964, he qualified as a podiatrist and also later became involved with the local chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, a.k.a. MUFON. Also, according to a 1998 Coast to Coast AM interview, Dr. Lear also claims to be fascinated with UFOs from an early age. So this is not something that came across his desk as a bizarre uh, foreign object in someone's foot. No, it's exactly. It's something he had an interest going into. So that, and like, so already there's a bias there. Yes. So to note, Dr. Lear, as you were saying, is a podiatrist and he began his career as such. So it's, this isn't a diminishment of his capabilities. We're just trying to help situate our listeners. So also to note, as a podiatrist, he can only operate on the foot and ankle and sometimes up to the shin, depending on the situation. But he himself can extract objects from other parts of bodies of patients. That's why he often refers or often referred to his team when it came to extracting foreign objects and bodies, because in some cases, people had implants in their hands, in their ears, etc. Well, I would say actually, as a podiatrist, he has a bit more expertise in foreign objects in people's uh, in people's bodies because oftentimes foreign objects will end up in the extremities, either the hands or the feet. Oh, for sure, and, for sure. Um, I just mean like clinically, like in terms of like uh, having oh, yeah. s- surgical capabilities. He's not allowed by law to do any of that. No, but he 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 knows what he's doing. Let's let's not yes. like let's not downplay that. He's a, he was actually a certified uh, podiatrist, doctor, surgeon, all kinds of fun stuff. Yes. So he first began to perform this type of alien implant extraction surgery on August 19th, 1995. He had two cases, a man and a woman, one in a toe, one in a hand. And before we go any further about Dr. Roger Lear, let's just set the stage um, in terms of like the main subject, in terms of, of the terms themselves. And uh, for now, let's discuss the history of alien implants as they've entered UFO culture. Well, the first mention I found was in the Wikipedia article about them, and it's um, according to Peter Rogerson writing in Mad Magonia magazine. Uh, the concept of alien implants were, can be traced back to March 1957 from Long John Nebel, the radio show host, uh, in an interview with ufologist John Robinson, who I've never heard of. Have you heard of him? I have not. Okay. Uh, and he recounted a neighbor's claim of being kidnapped by aliens in 1938, uh, which is really early, actually. Uh, that's before any sort of uh, alien uh, stuff was out there, right? That's before yeah. uh, Kenneth Arnold's uh, this flying saucer yeah. sighting. Let's, let's and all say that. like a, about eight to ten years before any sort of like um, the abduction phenomenon became more commonplace. Yeah, and and apparently these aliens uh, kept the neighbor subdued by small earphones placed behind the ears. Um, so it's even before Marty McFly did that to his dad. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Because uh, all things are real um, in this time and space. So this is, it's actually an interesting uh, thing to note that it took place in 1938. Yeah, it's kind of an outlier, right? Cause a lot yeah, of the, it really uh, definitely is. It's like when we, we hear like the, the Pascagoula aliens looking like, uh, what, what, do they look like squids or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's always interesting when we come across something that's not of the norm, gray aliens with the big eyes that were first seen on the Outer Limits. Correct. Uh, also, uh, to follow up with that, so uh, an article by Joe Nickel in a 1998 issue of the Skeptical Inquirer uh, well encapsulates the phenomenon, too, I feel. So reports of alien plants may have begun um, with the alleged abduction of a Massachusetts woman, Betty Andreessen. So basically, uh, there was that mention on the radio show and then the Andreessen affair, right, which supposedly took place in early 1967. However, the case was not publicized widely until uh, Raymond Fowler's book in 1979, The Andreessen Affair. So Andreessen, who seems to have had a predisposition to fantasize under hypnosis, claimed the aliens had removed an apparently implanted device in the form of a spiked ball by inserting a needle up her nose. Fowler speculated the BB-sized implant could be a monitoring device. 
About this time, the concept of psychotronic technology, i.e. mind control by means of physical devices, entered ufology. Andreessen's seduction report was followed by that of a Canadian woman named Dorothy Wallace. She described a similar implant under hypnosis, which seemed to explain an earlier compulsion to meet with the aliens. So, Angelo, we begin to see a coupling of the notion of implants with a larger narrative about a continued relationship with extraterrestrial beings, right? So a physical token of their closeness um, to these beings. It's kind of how uh, we track animals in the wild. Uh, the aliens track us on Earth to make sure that they're always getting the same specimen because I'm sure we all look alike to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To those up above, we're just all cattle, right? Yeah. Right now, they're staying away from us, though. So the issue is that we cannot quantify or qualify the relationship that these people have with their um, alien abductors, nor can we view it as outsiders due to the very nature of the very personal attachment that these people have formed with their abductors, right? Yeah, um, the fact that these aliens are putting something in them um, really personalizes it for the people, right? They get, they have more of an involvement. It's it's like, let's say it's a, an object they can feel under their skin, like a, a tag, yeah. right? They, they're, it's a constant reminder that, oh, hey, maybe I'll get abducted tonight. <laughs> it is a, such a, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's, it's a reminder of things to come to, right? Yeah, and it's like they can't get away from it. No, no. So in terms of, of Dr. Roger Lear and my research, most, if not all instances of the objects embedded in these people uh, are, as you're saying, are located in their extremities. That is to say, you know, their hands, their feet, and even their ears. It seems as though implants go in more easily through these parts of the body. Um, Angela and I will go into why we think that is a little later on. But uh, for now, this is where we're at. So let us return to Dr. Roger Lear, shall we? Please. So uh, to quote him, it is my opinion that someone or some entity from somewhere else is implanting these devices to human beings so that they can monitor genetic changes which are occurring in the human body. Those words are from Dr. Lear from a, a February 2003 episode of Penn and Teller's Bullshit. A really good show, by the way. Yes. If you watch that episode, you can also find that your friend and mine, David Icke, has been interviewed. I don't remember that episode at all, to be quite honest. And I think I've seen all of those. It's from the first season. Uh, maybe it's, it's episode three or four of the first season. Yeah, maybe then I didn't see it, but uh, they were in fine form with that show. And uh, they did they make fun of him? Because they probably did, right? Yes, of course they did. Okay. Uh, so, Angela, I also watched, as you are mentioning, Patient 17, the documentary about Dr. Roger Lear, made by your friend of mine, Jeremy Corbell, most recently known as the man behind the Bob Lazar doc that made waves last year. Yeah, that was the first time I came across uh, him as a filmmaker. Uh, I, I sat through the whole thing. And I knew that at at this that when I was watching it that Roger Lear had passed away, so I was curious to see how they were going to implement that into the the show. And it was it was basically this patient seventeen was the last of his patients, if I'm right. not mistaken. So Dr. Lear died in uh, 2014, and again, right in the middle of the filming this, when they were waiting the results to come back from patient 17's um, um, object being tested, he had passed. So. Uh, the documentary, and I use that in broad terms, definitely does not make a persuasive case as to what these objects are. Instead, makes a suggestion or proposition that these objects are, quote-unquote, unearthly, even if their chemical composition is composed of substances we can find right here uh, on the good old third rock from the sun. A lot of time is spent on, uh, from Roger Lear and anybody else who's wanting to promote alien implants as something real that they're covered in like a skin-like uh, texture that uh, is kind of protecting them but this is what happen happens when a foreign object enters the human body it's it's a reaction to it it's part exactly. of what our body does to make sure it doesn't hurt us yes um, so in, in a lot of senses, it does absorb um, these objects uh, without inflammation a lot of the time, whether or not, um, you know, this is a supposedly otherworldly um, uh, foreign uh, object existing in the body. And look, we'll probably talk about this more later, but the fact that they're at the extremities is pretty clear that this is something that somebody may have picked up by accident, not realizing it. Exactly. Uh, so as per the name of the documentary, right, Patient 17, Dr. Lear and his team were able to identify 17 people as having implants before he passed and thus, in theory, pulled out 17 or more objects. So in some instances, these objects, Dr. Lear reports, emit radio frequencies and some even admit deep space radio frequencies, according to him. Uh, according to him. Angelo, I found a list of 10 types of objects that also emit radio frequencies. Let me read some to you, okay? Please. So the article is 10 surprising household items that emit radiation. Um, so the first is uh, your cell phone, your tablet, or your computer. Well, that's obvious. I mean, that is RF energy waves, right? Yes. Smart meters? Yes. That's uh, There was a whole petition about not having them <laughs> in, in the home. In Quebec, yeah. Uh, Wi-Fi routers and Bluetooth uh, transmitters? 
Yeah, and this is why people are worried about Wi-Fi routers. So I'm going to read this next sentence because I think it is kind of the sort of um, uh, summation of what you and I will find. Uh, so the next thing that emits uh, radio waves is uh, granite countertops. And in the article it says, granite along with several other kinds of rock contain trace amounts of uranium. Surprise. Angelo microwaves. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's like their whole point. Uh, the next one made me laugh. Cigarettes. E-cigarettes or just regular old cigarettes. cigarettes? According to the Environmental Protection Agency, the largest radiation dose received by the public after radon is from smoking cigarettes. Um, they may cause cancer. <laughs> they may. Uh, television? Yeah, that's obvious. Uh, antiques, including furniture, jewelry, and silverware. Antiques, really? Yes. Okay, perhaps a splinter from an, an antique as well. Sure. Uh, and lastly, fertilizers. Uh, I noticed you didn't mention uranium on that list. No, but I mean, that kind of exists everywhere, right? Yeah, in 1985, you could just walk into any corner store and pick up a whole bunch. Well, not any corner store. Yeah. That's a quote are you going, from are you going? Back to the Future. I'm going right. to be mentioning Back to the Future often in this episode, apparently. <laughs> Angelo, uh, so what does Dr. Roger believe these objects to be? He believes them to be alien implants put there by aliens. Yes. So his working theory was that the devices embedded in his patients were sophisticated nanotechnologies created by extraterrestrials. According to Lear, instead of radio signals, these devices emit so-called scalar waves, a type of electromagnetic radiation that has never been proven to exist and as such can't be detected by human radio instruments. How convenient. Well, I have a counterpoint here, is that if they were so successful with their nanotechnology, why did they make it big enough that it could be detected? Correct. Um, so I kind of went down the rabbit hole. Scalar waves, Angelo, are also tied into the free or zero energy school of belief or movement, which itself is a bit, you know, dubious and vague as a hard science with verifiable a bit? proof. I'm being diplomatic here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so basically, in a, in a different way of saying it, scalar waves don't exist? Uh, they can't be tracked right now. Okay. 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 Yes. Uh, Nikola like Tesla was actually a proponent of scalar waves too. So okay. think about that for a bit. Okay. So conspiracy theorists also believe that scalar waves are meant as a means of alien mind control, which, sure, why not at this point? Who's controlling who, though, Brian? <laughs> that is the true question, right? So in the field of ufology, Angelo, it's, you know, uh, things and cases and personalities are largely built upon the notion of credibility and trustworthiness, right? And as such, people tend to take a look at as much at the characters involved as the story itself and the evidence presented. And, and by default, when you have somebody who is a doctor people tend to trust them more than just some uh, quack at the corner. Sure. Uh, but let us take a look at Dr. Roger Lear. Something to note is that in 1999, Dr. Roger Lear was sanctioned by the California Board of Podiatric Medicine for a period of three years, April uh, 1999 to April 2002. His license was not revoked or suspended, but Dr. Lear was placed on official probation by the board for repeated acts of negligence. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was also mentioned um, in the episode of Bullshit, but also I did some digging around. You can actually find the filings online. So I've seen some people suggest that this was a professional hit on Dr. Lear to tarnish his image. But as specific details are not publicly available, more or less, it is hard to discern one way or the other. The thing is, is that most of these medical boards, uh, alien implants, UFOs, not even on their radar. Well, like most UFOs are never on radar, I guess, but uh, (laughs) it's uh, until they are. But... Yeah, the, that's the thing. They don't. They're not looking at that. They're looking at his actual professional practice when they do yeah. these things. They can't just blame it on aliens. So, also to note something else, um, some poking around reveals that Doctor Lear has set up uh, nonprofits whose aim seems to be to funnel the profits from his books and appearances into uh, a place where uh, he isn't just taxed as much. Oh, convenient. I know. So uh, there's also this uh, supposition that Dr. Lear makes, like the one at the 2009 X conference he gave that I was uh, watching on YouTube. So I'm going to firstly drop the YouTube link in the show notes. Um, and before I get into my point, something to note is that you should definitely head to the comment section. Is this the perfect snapshot of UFO discourse in the age of the internet? Um, also, an additional so very note, civilized and yeah, absolutely. Uh, everyone takes their yes. turn. A lot of complete politely. sentences, okay. uh, you know, uh, proper use of exclamation. Okay. Um, also, one last additional note, I guess. Uh, the dude starts his presentation off by hawking both his book as well as his book on tape. So that's 510 minutes worth of Dr. Lear, uh, Joy. Um, but he, he he's holding up a DVD, but he calls it his like audio book on cassette. Okay. He also begs for money for the start of a scientific journal. He says, you know, he needs a quarter of a million if anyone knows any investors to approach him. He also says um, during the ex-conference presentation that, quote, I am not a scientist. I am a messenger. But by like, is it, wouldn't a doctor be considered a scientist of some kind? 
I guess so, but th- uh, more so, and I'll get into why um, he says this later. So um, in his talk, uh, very offhandedly, Dr. Lear hints the idea that the scientific community wants to suppress this sort of information because they're being paid off by unknown entities, which kind of goes against that old maxim of information and wanting to be free, right? That's, but that's always the excuse there. We've been saying that for a year. This is why disclosure will never happen. Yes. It's also, as was, as you were saying, like it's a bit convenient to claim cover-up as a reason why not more research into this phenomenon has been done either, right? So... Well, mm. now people are able to do lots of research because they can't go anywhere, so they can do it in from their homes. Right. Um, so apparently you can use a stud fighter to locate uh, these alien implants in the body, so both Patient 17 <laughs> and Lear's talk um, go into this. I'm just laughing because I use a stud finder to, guess what, Brian? Find studs in my wall. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, during this ex-conference talk, he also goes off about star children towards the end of his talk. He uh... does believe... That perhaps we, as I was saying um, before, are being genetically changed for unknown purposes, like a big genetic experience. And uh, I don't think he knew about it, but he doesn't bring up that uh, that alien that uh, was proven to be a small child, right? No, no, not the... Are you talking about the Atacama? Yeah, that never came across his desk. No, uh, I don't uh, think so. So Lear's ex-conference discussion is all about um, someone that he's codenamed Patient 15, uh, which we later find out that he is, in fact, Stephen Colburn, who's also profiled in the uh, Patient 17 Corbell documentary as... Patient 17? Uh, <laughs> no, patient 15. Um, he is the material scientist that they refer to. Oh, for a second, I thought you were going to say Stephen Colbert, but uh, that no, would be no, really no. crazy. No, Colburn. So okay. I feel like uh, if you're using a former patient uh, to uh, analyze the contents of a, uh, like a, pa- like a current patient's findings, uh, not really impartial, right? Far from it. And I can see why he was sanctioned for, uh, if that was his way of doing things, uh, there are multitudes of reasons why it would have been sanctioned uh, besides alien implants. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> I mean, like, like if that's how he carries on his business for his alien implants, imagine what he does with his patients then. Yeah, that is not... And speaking of patients, I'm actually surprised that he only had, like he talked about it so much, you would have thought there were hundreds and hundreds of people lining up to get their alien implants taken out. There were only 17. So his thing is a lot of people don't necessarily realize what's going on because in one of his Art Bell interviews, he says like, uh, because Art asks him like, you know, do you believe a lot of people have these things that just don't know? And he uncategorically says yes. Yeah, because they didn't realize that they stubbed their toe and got a splinter. So he was laughing, Art was laughing, he's saying, do you know, like, how many people, like, just go to the hospital and, you know, how many of these, like, alien objects get thrown out and Dr. Lear just starts laughing too? Yes, because the doctors at those hospitals realize that it's a rock that somebody stepped on. So in order, back in the day, to have been seen by Dr. Lear, you need to have an MRI somewhere else and then send in your results to him as well as, like, where it is, as well as a short story about why um, things are going on. Okay. So, I mean, the vast majority of these people would have been those that were having alien abduction experiences as well. Exactly, yes. Okay. So, Angelo, uh, what are these things at the end of the day? So, um, when Dr. Lear says he is not a scientist, what he means is that he's not a metallurgist, right? And so he has to interpret the findings that are handed to him by these labs, which explains a lot of the narratives created around these objects. So he kind of inserts his own narrative in there? Well, the thing is that, like, he's given results, right? And he is told to interpret them in his own way. Ugh. Okay, right, so with that's his the already that he... biased uh, opinion of how they got into the person. Exactly, yeah. So the idea there is that, so he, you know, he sends things off to get tested in the lab, the lab results come back, he has to sort of like figure things out and um, uh, kind of like root around and, and try to understand what these things are. So um, during one, uh, during his ex-conference presentation, I took a screen grab of like all of these like super rare um, um, materials and compounds that exist, right? So I picked one at random. Okay. I picked cerium. So, uh, per Wikipedia, cerium is the most abundant of all the lathanites, making up 66 parts per million of the Earth's crust. This value is just behind that of copper. And cerium is even more abundant than most common metals, such as lead and tin. Thus, despite its position as one of the so-called rare Earth metals, cerium is actually not rare at all. It is also mainly found in polishing compounds. So... So the claim that these elements are rare in his slides is patently wrong. And I just picked one at random, right? Like, I didn't go looking for the, like, I, you know, but it was, it was kind of hilarious as I was digging around. And I literally found the sentence saying it's actually not that rare. It's super common. So just because it's labeled as a rare earth element, he thought, okay. So he didn't even do his own research. No. Well, the thing is, like, once again, you interpret the results and you say, hey, guess what? I think it's this, right? Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so during Prison 17, as you know, uh, when the results come back, a lot of the object testing comes out as inconclusive, right? And inconclusive, like always, doesn't mean alien. It just well, means they're not sure. Yeah, a lot of the materials that don't register are listed as unknown, which they take to mean otherworldly. That's the problem. It's been inside a human body, so things have maybe decomposed or 
um, changed slightly. So, of course, it's going to be different, but it's likely not from another planet. No, just because like you can't understand necessarily um, how it ended up inside of someone. And a lot of this, uh, they're saying like these are meteorite fragments and things like that, but it doesn't line up necessarily to what it is. Right. And also, uh, oddly enough, um, uh, electromagnetic um, ways of trying to make an object move don't work on uh, these uh, objects pulled from people. Okay, well, that's kind of kind of interesting, but I guess it's because of where they've been all this time. Yeah, which is inside of a person, right? So yeah. they probably, uh, the way I understand things is like you can lose degrees of magnetism depending on a number of factors, including body chemistry. Well, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't he think of this? Well, Angelo, it doesn't, which let me just, I'm going to finish things off and then we're going to talk about that for a bit, right? So also uh, during the documentary, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Colburn, aka Patient 15, um, when he gets pressed, he just disappears? Magically? He just like stops answering all, like all of these these calls and emails and things like that. He just ups and leaves because he realizes this is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, n- well no, because he's a believer, right? Because he came to Doctor Lear as patient fifteen and fully um, recounted the story of an alien abduction he had, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So he's is it fully possibly listened to one of our episodes and became a skeptic. <laughs> oh, perhaps. But uh, this was shot before we started. Oh, too bad. So it's kind of a, a weird kind of situation here. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, a lot of people tend to uh not be uh, the best at uh, basic functions like walking yeah i mean look i stub my toe like once a month horribly or I so step it, on a lego it is not inconceivable to believe in that case that a lot of these objects ending up in your extremities are due to any number of reasons that are very easily explained in a rational manner and that's a point i wanted to make is that doesn't sell books you know no, the that doesn't sell books. Finds that... weird object in person's hand, discovers it's a splinter. I mean, it doesn't sell books. It doesn't get you invited to conferences. It doesn't get your name out there on nationally hosted radio shows in which you can push your for at first VHSs and then your DVDs as well as your audio books on cassette, which are actually um, da- data discs. Yeah, it's, this is it's like one of those people that I'm not doing this to sell any books. I'm sure he, there's somewhere him saying that he's probably i'm there to get the message but meanwhile no i we literally have you on video saying this is to sell books the craziest thing though to me is is exactly that right is the the naked capitalism that is involved in wanting uh to pursue the truth and you know it's just like um spending 200 bucks on a weekend to go flash flashlights up at a sky yeah and you don't like your capitalism naked no you want to like like, fully hidden you know obfuscated i don't want to know what's going on that's why you order things from amazon Exactly. Uh, one of the things uh, to also note is that there seems to be a grouping in terms of composition and shape of objects, but no two objects from my understanding are identical, which is kind of a red flag to me. Yeah, because and uh, they're not identical because obviously when somebody gets a foreign object in their body, it's going to be either a shard of glass or maybe a splinter, like I have mentioned before, a rock, a uh, ball bearing. Those, I'm sure some of them are probably just round because they were ball bearings. Yeah. There, I mean, there's like a, a bunch of like, I, and I started laughing because he said one was like rod shaped at one point. So I just, I lost it during oh, an interview. Yes, of course. Rods. <laughs> See, but yeah, I, this, Brian. I do think that the most common explanation for all of this is indeed people walking around and for some reason or another ending up with objects within their skin that they don't notice or whatever. It, it is completely plausible at this point. The other thing to note um, is that none of these patients seem to have entry like incisions at all. No, well, aliens put them in magically with nanotechnology that then uh, even all through that nanotechnology, though, that manages to grow and become uh, something that's actually detectable. Right. And the the thing, too, is that like anytime a lot of these objects are sent for testing, it usually comes back as like um, earth based components in like various kinds of, of measurements. But then they flip the script and say it is otherworldly. But at the same time, like a lot of these compounds the majority of them are earth-based so i don't understand the the dichotomy between like oh you can find most of these here on the ground but no it's it's from space everything's from space brian we're all from space we're all made of stardust (laughs) i mean that is one way of looking at the alien implants um uh, phenomenon yes uh look he he no doubt believed what he was looking at or if he didn't, he's a really good actor and he just wanted to get paid. No, I think he wholeheartedly stories. believed in this. I was listening to a whole interview about how he had <sighs> camped out uh, around Area 51 during a War Games um, session that they were having and like videotaped some really weird stuff. But as you and I both sort of agree on, Area 51 was a place of uh, you know uh, 
it was a testing ground. Well, yeah, that's that's literally what it was meant for. And so to me, like a lot of the stuff that he was describing in terms of like aerial phenomenon kind of being weird doesn't really surprise me. There's probably a lot of tests, um, you know, uh, aircraft out there, you know, being tried out for various purposes. Certainly. So, yeah, uh, alien plants uh, definitely just uh, Earth based. Um, and yeah, they don't really are not really located in the core of the body, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Well, that's an alien implant would likely be best located somewhere like near the brain, right? Almost anywhere, even just like in the chest or something, right? Yeah, but in the hand, on the finger that touched the, uh, like that it was, you know, uh, they're in rock climber hands. It's like, why do I have weird rocks in my hands? Because you climb rocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's kind of, I want to believe in all these things once again, but it's kind of hard to when you spend any modicum of time looking into them, right? 2019 Brian is coming around to 2020 Brian with it's a bad. big shot it's the of the reckoning. Realism. It's the reckoning. Yeah. So, Angelo, what do you think about alien implants? Uh, that they're implants that you manage to put in yourself um, <laughs> accidentally. If anyone has any thoughts about alien implants, you can always hit us up at double underscore density. As I mentioned before, double density podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at double density podcast over on Instagram, where I'm going to try and post a picture actually of the Netflix party that we were having the other night. I'm going to go ahead and do that in a, in a bit. Great. Good idea. So, Angelo, uh, uh, stay safe. Um, you know, stay clean. Uh, yeah, shower. Th- yeah, well, I'm going to go wipe off that uh, Amazon package that uh, rang the doorbell. The package itself did that. Uh, so uh, this is like the second week in a row we have a podcast out. We, we've uh, gone away from our bi-weekly. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, might might still go bi-weekly sometimes. Might have two in a, two in a row. Uh, we're still going to be putting out episodes, though. Yes, we are. Uh, I mean, listen, like uh, to be very blunt, I'm unemployed right now, so I have a ton of time for research. Yeah, and editing podcasts. I'm still employed, but I've gained over an hour and a half. Uh, no, almost two and a half hours. I was about to say, of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Two and a half hours of commute time is uh, no more a problem. Great. So that way I can just bombard you with articles that I find um, at every hour of the day and night. Yeah, my train uh, has actually, they, I got a text message saying they're reducing the amount of trains that are going because nobody's on these trains. Yeah, I mean, uh, I took a very brief walk to go to the pharmacy, and uh, the two buses that passed me were very empty, and usually they're very full at this time of the day. Well, you know what? That's actually good news. Somebody posted a picture, which I can't really see if is a real thing or not, but they showed uh, the London Underground and the Toronto subway side by side, like in pictures, and the London Underground was still packed as of Friday, and um, Toronto was completely empty. Exactly, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, uh, common sense, guys. Come on. The uh, the yeah. quicker we can all get over this, the quicker we can go back to enjoying spring. And hating each other. Yes. So, Angelo, tune in next episode as everything uh, ends slowly. <laughs> Great. I like <laughs> slow endings. See you, Angelo. See ya. Yeah, uh, you may hear background, no, background. <laughs> <laughs>